Welcome to the Shelf Warmers Podcast, the show about toys, why we like them, and their connection to bigger topics. I'm your co-host, Sugu, and tonight we're going to talk about the San Diego Comic-Con, DC, Star Trek, and Black Panther. And I'm your co-host, Darby, and none of that other stuff matters. We're just here for Black Panther. <laughs> Before we begin, by way of introduction, I'm Darby Harn, the author of the novels Ever the Hero and A Country of Eternal Light. I'm a senior writer for Screen Rant. I collect comic books, Star Wars toys, and things I really should not be buying. <laughs> and I'm Sugu, your co-host. I work in IT and education, and I'm also passionate about writing and story. You can find some of my travel writings on allaboutjapan.com, where I've written various articles about my life and perspectives in Japan. I collect mostly Transformers, but I've recently started collecting Marvel Legends figures and die-cast cars, such as Hot Wheels. Since living in Japan, I've developed an interest in tabletop gaming, so I also have a wide collection of board games. Tonight, we're going to talk about the, I don't know, the two, three-day Comic-Con that happened for the first time in two years. Uh, this is the San Diego Comic-Con, right? San Diego Comic-Con, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Now, for me, it doesn't really, it didn't really affect me, right? Because I'm halfway across the world, so there was no way I was going to be able to watch it live. There was no way I was going to be able to do anything uh, with it. So I got to watch some of the scraps, the highlights uh, that you sent me. So why don't you start off and... Uh, what happened? Uh, everything happened so far. So we're recording this on Sunday morning for me. This is day three of Comic-Con, still ongoing, but Saturday was the big day. So Saturday was, uh, let's rank them in importance possibly, uh, uh, DC Star Trek uh, panel, which was uh, very... A lot of great stuff came out of that, and then uh, Marvel gave their first major presentation in several years, three or four years, at Hall H. And I want to apologize at the outset here for my voice. Uh, this last couple episodes you guys are listening to, I sound very tired. It's because I'm very tired. <laughs> um, I am. A, <laughs> I'm a. I'm a senior writer for Screen Rant, and my job is uh, daily job is. Uh, writing about this stuff comic books and marvel and star trek and star wars and all that good stuff so this is i've been writing for screen rant for two years and this is the first comic con that has occurred in that period and uh it is overwhelming uh from a workload uh thing but it's overwhelming as a fan as these always are because there's so much stuff i'm i'm very um very pumped up despite my exhaustion right now um because of all this great fan stuff there's just we're gonna we'll go through it we'll go through the sort of the high level stuff because there's just a lot to talk about we could talk probably for several hours about everything we won't do that but we'll sort of there's some things we want to focus on i think and then 
Um, but it has been very, uh, I think the, the thing I've, this experience this last couple of days is sort of, obviously you're writing about it and then you're reacting to it as a fan and then you're interacting as a fan and all of those things are sort of, uh, draining and I can only imagine, um, what it's like for people who actually are there at the show and then are working. There are several people, Ash Crossan from Screen Rant hosted the Marvel Hall H panel. Um, there are several folks uh, from the, the crew uh, that are working the show. Obviously, this is the first show post-COVID. Not that we're post-COVID, by the way. So this has been really interesting from so many levels. I'm very tired. So and. Um, so I apologize for the voice, but hopefully my enthusiasm comes through here. I'm not sure where to start. I think the biggest... <laughs> I was going to say, is your voice uh, hoarse because you were screaming and cheering the whole time, like a, like you were at a concert, but uh, there no, some, just tired. There were some cheers, but I'm just very tired. I, I, uh, I very working nonstop the last few days and then um i just yeah i mean uh yeah i'd be to be completely honest because i'm exhausted uh, life is kind of rough right now so you all that sort of adds up to um <laughs> a lot of exhaustion but it was very i was to give an idea of last night so marvel the, the marvel panel was at 7 p.m my time so I'm, I'm uh, the big thing people were waiting for, anticipating, hoping for was the Black Panther trailer, which um, was sort of was sort of expected. But um, there was a ton in the panel that was not expected, and so I'm watching a live feed of the panel, which was not live streamed for officially, and um, I'm on Twitter reacting in live time to people reacting um and then you're catching <laughs> things r relative to work as they come and they came furiously because it was literally an hour the panel was approximately an hour it was literally just an hour of like here's all the stuff not just all the stuff but like so high level we'll start with marvel uh because it, you know why not are you sure you don't want to just start with dc because it'll take like five seconds fair enough <laughs> so i'll just i'll complete my thought i'll complete DC my see happened i'll complete my thought on marvel and then yeah we'll talk about dc uh the marvel um uh they uh re revealed most not all of their slate we'll talk about that later through uh 2025 so massive announcements yeah. Um, well, yeah, we'll come back. Is to that, that complete, by the way? Say that again, Sugu. I'm sorry. Uh, is that complete? Like, that's what they're planning? No more? Um, for example, 2020, 2025 only had three three properties. Yeah, it has is not. Is that it? it? Or it... That is not it. Um, folks who are curious. That, so Kevin Feige uh, revealed the slate, and the slate has massive gaps in it. He revealed... <laughs> Phase five and phase six. We're getting old, folks. Um, 
Phase 6, uh, very incomplete. Uh, only three titles revealed for that. Um, uh, there are somewhere between six and eight titles that are on the official calendar for Marvel that they did not talk about last night. One of them is Spider-Man 4. Um, I have an idea of what another one is, but um, maybe we'll talk about that later. Um, but the no, there are at least six possibly eight maybe more movies that are not accounted for that also includes um the reason they did not talk about those is because those are massive 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 spoilers in context of what he revealed last night um and then the uh there's also a army of streaming shows which he did not talk about last night um one or two of which i know something about and maybe we'll talk about that as well a little bit later, but I was um, just gonna ask: Are we gonna talk about these missing, uh, yeah, the missing properties? The missing properties people probably probably have already assumed have to do with the X Men. Um, so we'll talk mm. about we'll talk about that later. But yeah, so maybe we'll go backwards. One thing we do want to we are gonna talk about um is the Black Panther trailer, which was the the biggest seismic thing that happened yesterday and. Uh, so yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll get to we'll we'll maybe we'll sort of end on that because there's a lot there and we'll sort of get through. No one wants to. By the time we're done talking about Panther and Marvel, no one will care about DC because no one cared about DC <laughs> yesterday. So D, now I I, yeah. I'm a, I I'm a Marvel I'm a Marvel Comics fan. I'm a DC Comics fan. I mean, now I've been a fan of these movies and the DC movie experiment has been awkward at best. Uh, their panel yesterday went, came fairly early in the day, and there was a lot of anticipation. I'll tell you something: is I I I don't I'm a fan and and I write about this stuff for a living, and I don't I feel uh, increasingly uh, sort of um, um, I love interacting with people. I love reacting with people. I love doing what we're doing right now, which is talking and, and like, oh my god. I don't really like the whole um, business aspect of it. Increasingly, I don't. I don't like that. But I have to say, as someone okay. who pays an enormous amount of attention to this stuff, um, the DC panel was a colossal failure. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. So this is DC is in dire straits now. I don't. I, that's not to. That's not to disparage what they showed. Um, but. Marvel, Marvel is the the, Marvel is the giant, um, is the giant in culture, and so if Marvel just showed up and and waved high, and walked off the stage, that would have been the biggest thing that happened at the Comic Con this weekend. Yeah. yeah, that's essentially what DC did. So they showed an updated Black Adam trailer. Uh, Dwayne Johnson came and presented. They showed a sh the trailer for the new Shazam movie. Neither of these movies are really talking to me. I will say that I think the talent in all these movies is really strong. Um, the the gap um, between Marvel and DC right now is severe because that's all they did. They did not forecast. They did not hint. They did not build any sort of like, here's what we're doing. They didn't sort of... They didn't do anything. No hype. There was no hype. There was no like sense of direction coming out of Comic Con 
um, DC has a lot of problems that they, you know, <laughs> that um, some of which are not of their own making, some of which are. Um, one thing that the Shazam trailer did was continue to lean on um, the Zack Snyder era of uh, the DCU, yeah, yeah. which I thought from a marketing standpoint um, was curious given the fact how heavily that DC personnel, including Jim Lee, were emphasizing this weekend in interviews that they're moving on. The only real news from DC people this weekend is that we're done with the Snyder verse. They're not, we don't have an idea of what that is going forward, but then the Shazam trailer wants to make sure that you know where we're coming from. I don't, right. they, they, they're not on the same page. They don't know what they're doing. There's no reason for that because they don't have any of the, we might have talked about this at some point. I'm sure we did. They don't have any of the challenges that Marvel Studios has faced. Marvel Studios was born of desperation and also invention because they didn't have all their movie rights. They had only mm-hmm. the rights that they started with. They're now they vir- now they virtually have everything except for Spider-Man, but they have Spider-Man by proxy. So, but there's no reason that DC slash Warner Brothers should be in the position that they're in. They have some of if not the greatest characters of all time they have all their rights they have everybody in the world wants to work for them so what is it what's going on what there's really nothing to talk about in that panel I, shazam looks fun it does it, it doesn't really do, do anything for me that that cast and everybody yeah i saw it i was not interested i was like meh okay it's there yeah but not interested, you know. I, I love that Helen Mirren yeah. is going to be the villain, but uh, I have a quick question about DC actually that maybe you can answer for me, or at least give me more context. I went to an exhibit uh, a couple months ago, maybe six months ago, seven months ago. Sure. So I went to an exhibit about DC comics and kind of their history. It was really cool, kind of. It was extremely limited to just Batman, Superman, and like half of a wall for Wonder Woman, which was kind of insulting. But um, like it was, it, it for what it was, it was kind of cool. But it should have been more for what they marketed it to be. But anyway, what what they said in there that I thought was interesting, and I wanted to, and I've been meaning to ask you about. It, I keep forgetting because DC is kind of forgettable compared to Marvel. Um, they said in that exhibit that Superman is one end of the superhero spectrum. Batman is the other end and every other superhero is in between those two. Like those are the two opposites. What's your take on that? Yeah. So Batman is on one end of the spectrum and Superman is on the other. Is that right? Uh, yeah, and every other superhero is in between that. Uh, like, period. Every other superhero. So I'm like, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. wasn't sure what your, your take is on that. Um, I disagree with that. Um, okay. That Superman and Batman are on one end of the spectrum. Um, so there is a historical spectrum, obviously, of which they're at the 
beginning of the superhero age, the superhero genre. The I I'm guessing their theory on that is that Superman is the sort of prototypical god version of the superhero that we see in Thor, that we see in Wonder Woman, that we see in Hercules, etc. And that Batman is the he's a man. He's the he's the he's the average guy. Well, there's nothing average about Bruce Wayne. So uh, Batman is a god himself in many ways, but. Um, those are distinctions we're not going to get into today, but I would disagree with that. I would, if there is such a spectrum, I would say it, it it Superman is on one end of it, and then on the other end of it, you have people like Peter Parker and Kitty Pride and um, Kamala Khan, uh, who are um, who are uh, on the street level, let's say, and have various. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, intersectionalities in their lives that match up with yours or that you can enter into their experience through which you can with okay. Superman you can with Superman don't get me wrong but but Superman is on a different wavelength than they are and in between all of that you have obviously different things yeah so the the museum was basically saying that Superman is an alien with all the powers you know, the God powers. Right. And Batman, he's not average, but he's human. He's not enhanced in any way. Uh, all, or put another way, his enhancement is through his own hard work or his own initiative, that type of idea. So in that regard, Spider-Man, Kamala Khan, they would be in between those two because they're on the human side, but they do have enhancements. Yeah, no, I Batman in, in this just my sort of knee jerk reaction. Batman in this sort of consideration is a god in 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 the sense of in the DC sense because of his wealth and because of his uh, agency. Uh, Batman is so powerful that he possesses weapons and strategies to take down each one of his teammates on the Justice League, including Superman. Batman is the strongest, mm. smartest person in the DC universe. He has no peer. Um, he's the ultimate, uh, for folks who complain a lot these days about Mary Sue's, Batman's the ultimate Mary Sue, right? Um, <laughs> the And that's fine. We love Batman. Um, the Kamala and Peter have no money. Uh, they have nothing but their powers, which they use to help people who have no power. Uh, Kit Baldwin is on this this end of the spectrum too um that so i would distinguish it there it's not entirely about money or, or op- means or up op- or uh sort of wealth it's about uh accessibility a lot of people relate to batman but it's not it's not you're not relating to him because you find something familiar about him except perhaps you understand his his grief and his trauma but um there, he's a he's aspirational in in the sense and where Peter and Kamala and Kitty and um, those types of characters are I would say are relatable I, I feel like there's a difference there's probably a whole conversation within that that's definitely worth having because it's it goes to the heart of um, the difference I think between the Marvel and DC experience not just in comic books but in in multi in media and in culture what is the difference? And I think it, 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 it starts there. 
Yeah, and going along those lines and kind of bringing it back to the SDCC, uh, DC treats their heroes as gods, gods first and foremost. Um, I saw someone make this comment that in the DC world, most of the, the heroes, or sorry, the heroes spend most of their time in costume. In Marvel, most of the, the heroes spend most of their time out of costume. Um, DC treats their, their, their characters like gods. And as a culture, I think we might be past that. We might be past the God view and we might want the more relatable, uh, view, the intersectionality of it. I think that's what yeah, you're right. We, speaks to the audience more, more in 2022. We do want that and we don't, we're there. We could maybe let's sort of put a pin in this to come back to because there is so much to talk about here because I think about this type of thing all the time some as I mentioned um, often people are probably like why um, so I'm writing these books this series that has to do with superheroes and it's Kit really quickly for example uh, Kit has no costume and Kit has no superhero name even though her powers are would be considered godlike and that is that's a post uh, superhero approach that um, has to do with everything that you just said. Um, for in the Marvel universe, gods exist, right? We just we just saw Love and Thunder, which is all about the gods. Uh, in the Eververse, there are no gods, with the exception of Garsak, who styled himself as a god. People are like, "Who is Garsak?" And they're like, "We just want to listen to you guys talk about Black Panther." So putting a pen in that <laughs> um we'll come back to this we'll do an episode on this because that's there's that's a lot there and i think you're right it has yeah. everything to do with why there these two experiences right now are so different there's a lot of practical corporate creative bullshit that's gone on at dc and warner brothers which has absolutely frustrated them and I don't want to suggest that they're doing everything wrong because they're not. Because, like, for me, they're doing a lot of things right. And that a lot of that has to do with Wonder Woman. A lot of that has to do uh, their casting. And I, you know, I, I shit on Zack Snyder a lot. Zack Snyder is one of the best people in, in the business when it comes to casting. And he's fantastic. He, he always, he, he gets the right people for the job. And he has a great sense about that. And so he, you know, he cast Gal Gadot as um, Diana, which was all-time legendary casting. So um, they have a lot that's right, and they have a lot that is working. Uh, I love that Dwayne Johnson is Black Adam. I don't care about Black Adam, and I don't care about this movie. This movie feels like, also, really quick on Black Adam, also feels like just an extension of the Snyder verse, grim and gritty, dark. What is, who is, and who is a hero? What does it mean to be a hero? That type of thing, which I think is played out. And and uh, questioning what it means to be a hero is not played out. We're having this conversation every day in, in the United States. But the approach to it that the DC has taken, I think, is rooted in the things that we were just talking about. Is rooted in a perspective which is. Um, pre-Watchmen and frankly pre-Marvel <laughs> pre Universe which was 1962 
So I, the comics and the superhero genre has evolved. That's a whole episode, but we'll come back to it because I, I think it's, it's well worth getting into. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, even right now, DC is pretty forgettable because we're not even talking about their panel. We're talking about DC in general and as a business and, you know, their history. So moving, let's, let's move on a bit. If there's anything else you want to add about DC real quickly. No, I just said there's a lot of stuff DC on the horizon that I am excited about. And that includes Batgirl. That includes a lot of stuff they're doing with Harley, both in animation and in live action. So, and they, they didn't talk about that yesterday. Oh, okay. All right. So yeah, so that's DC. And then the other thing, Star Trek. The only thing I really know about uh, Star Trek is what you sent me, which is the preview teaser trailer for Star Trek Picard Season 3. And, um, yeah, we just said that preview looks better than all of Season 2 of Picard. Yeah. Um, This was a very minimal teaser but it, <laughs> yeah. it, it's a it's a slam dunk home run whatever you want to call it it gets you right in the feels and um yeah. so everybody's coming back the next generation cast it's lovely to see them and um we get a little bit of hint about the story through um they each have sort of a line or two a dialogue and they're in their costumes so we see Worf. we see Worf here for the first time it's great to see Michael Dorn again, and he's uh, white hair and beard, so he's much older. And then Jordy is wearing what appears to be an admiral's uniform. Oh, okay. Beverly is not in uniform, question mark. She retired. Yeah, and she and Patrick, Gates McFadden and Patrick, shared a very uh, <laughs> romantic kiss on stage yesterday at their panel, which got everybody sort of talking <laughs> There, what it was it was just sort of you know i that was just sort of interesting but um i those two are they're all very the next generation crew are very close to this day they they yeah. uh, they spend an inordinate amount of time together for people who haven't worked together in 30 years but that that's lovely that, that patrick always... stewart like recently tweets some picture that he was in the kitchen of someone some other cast member I think it and was they were Brent. just kind of goofing around in the kitchen. I think it was Brent. Yeah, um, they're always they're always together, and um, they, they, they there's a lot of love and uh, camaraderie there that always comes through, and so getting them all back for this final season of Picard is is great. It's great to see that. I'm excited about that. The Picard experiment has been very uneven. So I don't know what the third season as far as the story will be, but it's just great to see these people back and to spend time with them. Next Generation is one of my all-time, maybe my favorite television show ever. Uh, just a huge, uh, just as a fan and just as a creative, it was so influential on me. Yeah. When it came to writing, I you know I just I was obsessed with that show and and with the writers and and this cast who are. Uh, just lovely people and all the way around so it's great to see them um very excited about it and um but the other major thing from the panel was the fact that um strange new worlds and lower decks are going to cross over 
next year in their respective yeah so who knows how this is going to happen because they didn't say (laughs) but um yeah tawny newsom who plays mariner is going to play mariner in live action on strange new worlds and the other the uh uh, boimler who the actor who i forget right now um it will play himself in live action on strange new worlds Strange New Worlds folks are going to voice themselves on um, <laughs> Lower Decks. Oh, wow. So That could get crazy. That could get crazy. There's a lot of what the F there that I'm dying yeah. to see. And, and I just sort of I just sort of assume that it'll be so silly. But that's okay. I, I love the idea of it. So clearly some sort of time travel because they're separated by 100 years in the timeline. But that's that's cool. That's really fun. Um, it's interesting that Lower Decks, which is the next generation love letter for the ages, is crossing yeah. over with Strange New Worlds and not Picard, <laughs> in which they could right, have, right. they in which those characters could appear in real time. Um, but there's a lot going on in Picard season three, so they probably were like, you know. We got we got some other sort of stuff to cover as we're wrapping up that particular series. But a big thing, so Lower Deck Season 3 is starting. A major thing that the Lower Deck Season 3 trailer revealed is that they're going to visit Deep Space Nine, which this is the okay. first this is the first return to Deep Space Nine in the new Trek sort of media in the last several years. Yep. So I had mentioned on an earlier episode of the pod that I love everything they're doing with Trek in terms of the love for Next Generation and Voyager. was disappointed we haven't had any Deep Space Nine. We're going to get it, so that's exciting. Cool. Um, and then Star Trek, uh, or uh, Strange New Worlds uh, Season 2, they talked just a little bit about. Um, that, that, that show is amazing. It sounds like they talked just very generally about Season 2. It sounds like that's going to be just more epic awesomeness um so they're on good footing and then also alex kurtzman said there are two more star trek series which are they did not talk about um in terms of detail that are in development okay uh that makes people are like two more and that well that makes sense it's, the picard's going to end they're going to replace picard with um the rumor is is that seven of nine is getting a spinoff okay um They've been talking about Section 31 for several years with Michelle Yeoh. Uh, I don't know what the holdup is there, uh, other than Michelle Yeoh is obviously pretty busy. Um, mm. No idea. So, a um, lot of very cool Star Trek. A lot of that. I, as a Star Trek nerd, I, I think that they're just in context of what we were just talking about with DC and Marvel, Star Trek, I think, is um, the first couple years. Uh, when they came back and Discovery and all that uh, were kind of rocky, I think creatively, uh, they've they've evened out. They're expanding people. You know, there's more Star Trek right now than there has ever been, even when the yeah, because it's Lower Decks, Discovery, Picard, Prodigy, Strange New Worlds. Yeah, yeah. That's five. Is there? Am I missing any? Nope. That's all of them, and they're. Um, there um and there's going to be more and there are going to be movies i think they're trying the movies have been challenging for them i don't think they figured that out but um uh, alex kurtzman also talked about in the crossover with strange new worlds and lower decks he he sort of conceded that there is 
that there is a desire to have a crossover all of Marvel, which you bring all, you know, you have all these individual things and you build to like a Avenger style thing. He conceded that that is something that they've been talking about. I'm sure Paramount has been like, you know, no, yeah. You got, you guys got to, you, you know, you know, we got to do the MCU thing. So he, he's, so that <laughs> is going to happen eventually. I think they're right. test, they're testing the waters here with Lower Decks and Strange New Worlds. So, um, okay. so that, but that's fun. I actually don't mind that. I, 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 if, if it means we get an adventure with all these great characters and because Picard is ending doesn't mean that those characters are going to go away. So, um, sure. So if we get a great adventure that spans time and space and we bring everybody together, um, I'm all for that. Let's do that. We're going to take a quick break to let you know about some exciting developments on the podcast. First of all, thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying it. Uh, If you like our content and you want more of it, you can subscribe to our channel and get additional conversations between Sugu and I. So stick around after the episode for a quick sample of what you could get. If you want to give us any feedback, Feel free to let us know your thoughts and opinions at shelfwarmers at gmail.com or on Twitter at shelfwarmers. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Okay. So Marvel. <laughs> Marvel. <laughs> well, which is its own genre at this point. We've talked about this before. It's like, where do you even begin? And I think we, I think we mostly want to talk about Black Panther, but maybe to kind of like high level. So they announced, so Kevin Feige, um, Kevin, you have a lot going on. And clearly, uh, just again, <laughs> uh, Sugo and I are available. And um, I'm going to pat myself on the back because I clocked some of this stuff from a couple years ago. <laughs> So I'm gonna I'm gonna do that because I have very little in my life. So I'm gonna congratulate myself. Um, f- let's so phase four. Let's start there. Um, one of the yeah, big I asked you in a chat, like, you know, phase yes. one was the introduction of the B C list heroes of Marvel, basically who they have left. Phase two was Civil War. Yeah. Phase three is the Infinity War. Yeah, yeah. And now we're in phase four. So what does phase four mean? <laughs> what, is, what does phase four mean? So everybody on Twitter last night was asking this because they announced that uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is the end of phase four. And that led, okay. to, that led to a lot of questions because we're not getting an Avengers movie in this phase. We're not getting an Avengers movie until phase six. We'll talk about that. Um, right. Um, what is phase four? I think phase four, at least thematically right now, uh, it's I was, the multiverse. It's the all yes, four, five, and six are the multiverse. Um, they called it. He's um, calling it the multiverse saga. Um, phase four appears to be, um, the phase three was the culmination of the Infinity Saga, which was this opening decade of the MCU and um, phase four appears to be sort of uh, the fallout from that. And I think the thematic sort of threads in this, this phase have to do with dealing with all this fallout from infinity war, the grief, the trauma, all these things, what do all these things have in common with Wanda and 
all these shows is dealing with the the ramifications and the the hurt and the grief and the stuff and even black panther in its own way sadly is dealing with this um we'll talk about that i think phase four is on a macro level so talking about star trek just for a second best of both worlds um probably most people in most people's minds sort of the peak um next generation um mm-hmm. At the time, they followed that up. The, the episode that followed that was an episode called Family, which was basically a bottle show where they are the Enterprise is uh, going through um, repairs on Earth. And the characters get a chance to basically breathe and acknowledge what just happened. This, to that point in Star Trek history, never happened because it was an episodic show, which every week was different. So yeah. this was, I mentioned the writers, though Ronald Moore and Michael Piller fought tooth and nail to get the family uh, to make it happen because they thought it was so best of both worlds, particularly Picard's experience as Locutus was so massive that they simply couldn't drive past it. And yeah, I, I feel sure. I feel like what Phase Four is is basically one just a giant multi-year version of Family, where okay. these these characters are experiencing and reacting to what just happened at the end of Endgame, which was basically a five-year blip <laughs> right it's it's and even even with all, all the great stuff we've gotten these movies and tv shows all of which deal with the the snap and the blip in various ways they we barely scratch the surface on all of that right um yeah. Yeah. so i and falcon was the one that probably addressed it the yeah. most head-on yeah and, and that was fantastic even though i wanted more um it, it, so it's clear now to me at least phase four feels like we're moving um we're dealing with those things and then we're moving into phase five which is properly going to um phase five begins with ant-man quantumania in which kang the conqueror uh officially emerges we've met kang but he was a variant um in which he steps forward and phase five and six are clearly uh, so as I've been talking about for a couple of years, um, Kang is the Thanos of this run, and right. Kang is going to be an absolute wrecking ball. Um, he they showed a clip from Quantum Mania in which Kang confronts Ant Man, and and Ant Man's like, "I'm an Avenger," and Kang's like, "I've killed you before. <laughs> I've killed you guys before." <laughs> um, I just want to say real quick, wow. Jonathan Majors is is Kang, man. Talk about great casting, and he looks fantastic. There is a poster that they released for uh, Ant Man and Quantum Mania, which I don't think I shared with you, Sugu, in the chat. No, I have um, not seen this. Um, which uh, shows off Kang uh, in the costume, and I'll, I'll share it with you right now, Sugu. Um, is this the uh, his traditional costume? It, it is. It's the... very faithful, and it's it's. Um, so that means that Marvel Legends figure, the old one, is going to shoot up in price now. Yeah. So I'm going to drop it in the, the chat. Um, but it's it's just a very simple tease. But um, you got Kang on there, and you've got um, uh, Ant-Man, Wasp, and a character. Uh, folks will probably wonder who that is, but it's a character named Stature uh, from the comics. Okay. All right, there it is. Oh, wow. Yep, there he is. 
So stature is the one in purple. Yeah. So stat that's Cassie Lang. That's Scott's daughter. Okay. And uh, she is a member of the Young Avengers in the comic books. And we one thing we did not get uh, last night was uh, any mention of the Young Avengers. Uh, but that is almost certainly one of the missing uh, titles, either as a movie or a TV show. Um, okay. The Young Avengers, um, their first. Uh, their first comic book storyline, they fight Kang, uh, and they almost certainly will in the MCU. So that's fun. That's exciting. Um, so Phase Five is going to be about is going to be about Kang, man. And Phase Five, we knew a little bit about some of this. Um, uh, so Phase Five includes things like the Marvels, Guardians Three, Secret Invasion. Loki season two, um, Ironheart Armor Wars. They left off the schedule. There's the people have been wondering, is Armor Wars canceled? No. Um, and we knew about Captain America, but Captain America gets an official title. Captain America four is New World Order. But people are like, what is what is that? I was like, yeah, what is that? Um, so that's all exciting. Agatha, uh, the Agatha series also gets a new title. Coven of was it some Coven of Chaos? Chaos. Um, and then Daredevil, so Daredevil, Born Again, so officially the, the other thing that people have sort of all speculated on is that obviously Daredevil officially returning, Daredevil officially returning in the She-Hulk series, um, yeah. and then getting his own, he's, he'll also be an Echo, and then he and Kingpin going to go round four in uh, Daredevil, so that's all super cool. Ironheart, so what does this do for the Netflix show? Does that pull and then Netflix shows into the MCU then? I think we're still waiting on confirmation because um, we still don't have a clear understanding that there, that is Daredevil going to be just season four? Or is this, are these variants? D- Kang is going to allow us to sort of maybe have both? Um, because the Kingpin in Hawkeye was just slightly different from Kingpin in Netflix Daredevil very yeah slightly different Uh, definitely in a power level Kingpin MCU Kingpin much physically stronger Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah TBD I'm curious about it I think we all are what's going on there Um, but I'm excited I love Daredevil I love Charlie Cox I love Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin. I'm very excited about that. I'm also very excited because um, that we are going to get the other folks too. They didn't talk about it last night, but folks can rest assured you will see Jessica Jones again. You will see uh, Luke Cage. Will we see Iron Fist? I don't think so. But you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Um, I mean, because uh, I, I never saw Iron Fist. Uh, <laughs> no one did. <laughs> I heard that it's just awful. And you said there is one redeeming character in Iron Fist. Yes. Um, that we then talked about should actually uh, forget Danny Rand, just make a new Iron Fist with that redeeming character. Yeah, that is uh, that is Colleen Wing, played by Jessica Hennick, who is fantastic actress, and um, I, we will see her again too. Uh, Jessica Hennick turned down an opportunity to be in Shang Chi um, to do something. Oh, The Matrix. Uh, resurrection she was uh, bugs in uh, matrix 
Oh, okay, okay. Um, we'll see we'll see Colleen again, and Jessica Hennig is is an amazing young actress who. Let's just make her Iron Fist. I, you know, I, I, I personally don't care about Iron Fist at all from the comics, but um, uh, Colleen is interesting. Colleen also has a very interest. Her and Misty both have a very interesting history with the X Men. That's fun mm-hmm. for me as an X Men person. Um, Chris Claremont actually tried to get Colleen into the X Men. Believe it or not, back in the late late seventies, didn't happen. Um, but so let's do that. And then, um, we'll see those folks again. Um, Shang-Chi 2, not on the schedule here. One of the missing titles. Um, so that, that is confirmed that there will be a Shang-Chi 2. There will be a Shang-Chi 2. Yep. Okay. And, um, how about that, Eternals? Are we just forgetting them or? Well, that is, back? that that is a big question. I think we can't assume that one of the missing things is Eternals too, because we don't have any clarity right now. Eternals, uh, there's been a lot of debate about Eternals. Well, it was a box office bomb. It was not a box office bomb. It, bomb. it was the 11th highest grossing movie of 2021 during a pandemic. Um, if it had come out in a normative environment, it would have. It would have been. It did fine, good considering its circumstances and considering the fact it was a nearly three-hour movie about characters that no one had ever heard of. Um, yeah. So, will we see Eternals again? Absolutely. Will we get Eternals too? I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think they're going to play a major role in sort of this unfolding cosmic aspect of the Marvel universe for sure. Um, they line up with a lot of people in a lot of different ways. So, yeah, we'll see them. I personally, we talked about this with the movie. Um, I think Eternals are best suited to a streaming series, and maybe let's do that instead. Maybe let's just yeah. get a sequel series and do that. So another question, kind of high level. Do you think that they could try to make Galactus a celestial since we've already been introduced to celestials, mm-hmm. and that kind of makes sense for Galactus then? Possibly. Um, I, I think that is very possible. Um, they sort of, um, the Celestials are sort of doing what Galactus does, right? Which is devour worlds. He does it. He's sort of a, he's just an, he's just the ultimate cosmic apex predator, right? He just, that's just what he does. Um, and um, yeah, he needs to devour worlds so that he can live. He can live. There's nothing personal about it. Right, as 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 uh, the John Burns run in Fantastic Four, I think very astutely pointed out it, in a in a complicated moral way, he 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 just there's nothing uh, evil, right? He's not doing it because he's he he's he simply as any predator does in nature. He's he's doing what he is engineered for, um, and so that presents big moral quandaries for the character. So. I, I I think that is um, um, it's possible that there's a link between them. I you know there was a shot in Love and Thunder when they entered the chamber, Eternity's chamber, where uh, this character initially appears. And Eternity and Galactus have very similar visual style in their head. They both have these sort of 
wings that come off their head and oh, as, yeah. as the character first appeared i thought it was galactus and i was like oh my god and oh no it's just eternity okay uh, <laughs> it's just <laughs> eternity <laughs> so um um but yeah we're gonna get galactus very soon and we're gonna get um surfer very soon and um but so that's exciting uh so phase five, I think it all, a lot of I saw one thing I saw real quick. People talking about last night, they felt like phase five also has sort of this disjointed quality. It's incomplete. You're missing a Spider-Man movie right. in here, and you're missing a ton of um, uh, sort of Disney series that have not been announced yet. And didn't you say there's a Spider-Man animated show? Spider-Man freshman year, which is very exciting. So I wrote some articles about that yesterday. So that was talked about in the Friday animation panel. Um, MCU, but not um, Peter's pre-Civil War experience. Um, uh, okay. A lot of questions about that because it introduces some characters that No Way Home sort of suggested don't exist in the MCU. I'm looking at you, Norman and Harry Osborn. But um, we'll see, right? We're not going to get that show until 2024. Um, so I guess get in line. Um, um, let's see. I'm just looking at the calendar here. <laughs> oh, Blade. Uh, Blade is... Uh, we're getting... We're not waiting for Blade. Blade's going to come out November 23. Um, that is... That's fun. That's exciting. Um, a casualty of, um, I, this, I don't know this for sure, supposition, a casualty of, uh, John, uh, Watts leaving Fantastic Four as director, uh, is that Fantastic Four fell down the schedule a bit, so Fantastic Four is coming out in November 24? That's in phase six now, right? Phase six, uh, I, my understanding asterisk is that it was november 23 it is now 24 so bummed out about that we're having to wait a little bit longer and that explains also um the the big thing i think people were expecting yesterday was uh, sort of cast announcements and some fantastic four stuff we didn't get it i think we're just i think there's a creative shuffle happening on that movie that is punted on some of that they are casting in that movie though that's been underway for several months okay so real quickly about Fantastic Four, what uh, I mean, we've been burned a lot in the past about <laughs> Fantastic Four. Yes, we have. <laughs> yes, we have. Like there, there's, there's a lot of burning. There's a lot of heartbreaks. There's a lot of uh, uh, we don't pretend the or we pretend these things do not exist just so we can can't kind of move forward with our day. What's your take on this one? Is this going to be another uh, Noah does not exist or what? I don't think so. I, I think they've, I, I obviously trust in Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios. They, they haven't done us wrong. I think they, um, they care about the Fantastic Four. One reason we're waiting on the Fantastic Four is that they're taking great care with it. Um, mm-hmm. Any other studio, it's Hollywood. Any other studio would have rushed to capitalize on that IP the minute they got it. By the time Fantastic Four and X Men come into the MCU properly, they will have they will be somewhere between five and six years out from their acquisition. 
That's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. That is extraordinary in Hollywood, folks. Um, the so they but the MCU also has the benefit of being of having an embarrassment of riches, so they don't need to rush anything. So they care about this, and this matters. And the Fantastic Four are going to become pillars of the post uh, Kang MCU. Um, so and as are the X Men. So they don't need to, you know. There's no reason to be. Because basically, Kang and Galactus are the big bads for the Fantastic Four, not the Avengers, right? Kang, I would say Kang splits between the Avengers and Fantastic Four. Galactus, uh, absolutely, as well as Doctor Doom, and we're going to talk about Doctor Doom here in a minute. Um, oh, is he is he coming into the MCU finally? Hey, we're going to talk about Black Panther. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about Panther. But uh, to your question, though, I think it's a great question uh, uh, with Fantastic Four. I, th- I think we're going to handle this with care. Um, I'm very excited. I am a Fantastic Four fan. I always have been. Uh, I love them. I was very disappointed in the Fox movies, though. I think I the, some of those... Some of the casting was very good. Some of it was not. Uh, Chris Evans as the Human Torch, I think, was very good. A lot of people want to see Chris Evans as the Human Torch again. Um, the multiverse is going to allow us at least an opportunity for that, right? <laughs> um, Captain America Torch? No, yeah, sure. yeah. Why not? Um, <laughs> but I think they're going to. I think they're going to do it well. A lot of people are curious about the casting. Um, I think the John Krasinski of it all. With Mr. Fantastic and the Fantastic Four presents an interesting challenge um, that um, I, I think gives an idea of where they're going, um, and I, I think the as I said, the Fantastic Four is going to be a pillar of the MCU. So they the they'll want to they'll want to get actors and actresses who are relatively young that they'll be able to have around for ten plus years. So maybe as you're thinking about that. Another thing people are asking about, they're sort of complaining about, well, they didn't like the last one because the cast was uh, diverse. It didn't make sense to have Michael B. Jordan playing Johnny. Um, folks should be prepared that this cast will be diverse. Uh, the, fa- oh, yeah. the Fantastic Four will not look exactly as they do in the comics, and that's fine. What what will it look like? I don't think it matters, but just prepare. There's a lot of... I've seen a lot of great fan castings for these characters online that I think are very smart you know a lot of people myself included um have been would love to see sterling k brown play reed i think he's perfect as reed and so um who sterling k brown is uh he a great actor ben and hamilton and he was t'challa's father's brother in the prologue for black panther oh okay got it got it i know who you're talking about um so so knock on wood, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I kind of feel like there seems to be a lot of debate about John Krasinski and Reed. As far, as far, is he going to be Reed again uh, in the MCU? Again, TBD. I think that's possible. Um, I'll I'll be honest. I didn't really care for him as Mister Fantastic in Doctor Strange. I know he's the fan favorite, but I don't know. It's just okay. I, he didn't really come off as as uh, Reed Richards as I understood him. Well, well, I'll just say it was a super brief cameo. I'll I'll say for me personally, in the time he was on screen, he did sort of embody Reed's sort of um, 
humanity in a nice way. He was the only one of the Illuminati who dealt with uh, Doctor Strange and Wanda on any kind of human level. Uh, paid for it with his life, R.I.P. Reed, uh, live long and prosper. <laughs> but um, um, I like that, and I do like John Krasinski a lot. And I, there's a lot of reason to think that John Krasinski is not done with the Fantastic Four. I will say as far as the casting, he's probably a little older than they are thinking for a long-term MCU read. As Sterling K. Brown would be, I personally don't care about any of that. Like, if it was me casting it, I would just... If I had a shot at either one of those guys, I'd probably take it. So, I mean, Reed Richards has always been older, right? Like he's not high school student. I, I was just—I was just about to say that he. People are like, well, you know, he is older, and he's older by uh, Sue and Johnny by I think ten years uh, in the comics. Yeah. Uh, so people are like, well, that would be weird in the in the movies or whatever that he's older than Sue. It's not weird. It's it's fine. It depends on how what they what they how they cast Sue. So, I think they're gonna wanna go. And John Watts, I think, was emblematic of this. Um, that um, they probably wanted to skew younger. Um, you know, as far as the casting. So, um, so we'll see. Where that's big question marks, and where that's. We're not gonna get real information about Fantastic Four. I'm gonna say till next summer because. Yeah. This movie will start filming next summer, so we're we're in for a wait. Yeah. Um, the and then the other the big massive uh, reveal for Phase Six. Avengers, we're getting two Avengers movies in twenty twenty five. One is the Kang Dynasty, and then the other one is Secret Wars, which uh, I mentioned patting myself on the back. So I've been calling Secret Wars for approximately three or four. Years. Uh, so secret wars is uh as as a lot of fans have because um secret wars in the comics is the multi multiversal culmination and um this is going to be kang's uh sort of so kang is the big bad and these are the infinity war in game of this next sequence and uh man all about it I'm all about it. So. <laughs> yeah, so we we have a whole new roster of Avengers to be there. Oh my god. It's going to be these movies are going to dwarf Endgame and Infinity War. Secret Wars, I'll say now. And I'll be I'll just say real quick, I'll be surprised that movie stays in 2025. I'm shocked that they're going to do both in the same year. Um, the reason that I think they're going to do that has to do with something we'll talk about in a second. Um, but I'll be surprised. Um, Secret Wars will include every Marvel character ever. And all their variants. <laughs> so Secret Wars, okay. Um, so Secret Wars will be what Marvel fans have been waiting for in live action from the beginning, which is all of the Marvel characters together. Avengers, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four, X-Men, everybody. Everybody will be in this movie. Um, it is the Secret Wars, real quick. The 2015 Secret Wars is uh, the multiverse collapses down to one, um, one universe that Doctor Doom created. One secret timeline. Yeah, it's called Battle World, and it is it ain't been... <laughs> 
brings in all different aspects of the Marvel multiverse, including people from different universes like Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen, throws them all together. Uh, Doctor Doom will not be the villain in, in Secret Wars in the MCU. That'll be Kang, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. So um, that's going to be different, but that's fine because we're going to get Doom post this. We're going to get Doom before this, but as a, as the big bad. Um, uh, but so we're going to get everybody. So if people are wondering, they're kind of getting antsy for Chris Evans as Human Torch, as Hugh Jackman, as Wolverine. I want you to write down on your calendars, November 2025 is when you're going to get Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Okay. But he's going to be, like, beyond old man Logan. <laughs> he's going to be older man Logan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know if that'll work anymore. I think, I think we should start trying to find new casts. New well... Casting. Let's talk about the X-Men real quick. So they did not talk about the X-Men yesterday. X-Men, they've left off the calendar. Um, X-Men will figure heavily in Phase 6. The X-Men movie is one of the unannounced movies in Phase 6, possibly Phase 5. I'm going to say Phase 6. So there there is confirmation that there's an X-Men movie. Well, I'll just say... There's no confirmation. I'll just say that my understanding is is that X Men was always going to be after Fantastic Four, um, okay. and then that makes sense now. And it also makes sense that um, we will see Secret Wars probably before X Men. So Secret Wars will be an opportunity to revisit and um, the Fox X Men. Um, we'll see multiple Fox X-Men and then it'll also be an opportunity then to introduce the MCU X-Men who will be different and will be new actors and actresses. Um, yeah. And um, that's because it won't be Patrick Stewart and it won't be McAvoy, James McAvoy. No, there'll be, there'll be, these will be new folks and there's been a lot of speculation. Um, you know, a lot of people lobbying for these roles. Taron Edgerton, has been lobbying very hard to play Wolverine. I'm kind of into that. Um, Who? Taron Edgerton. He's in the the Kingsman movies. Uh, okay, I haven't seen that. Okay, yeah, he's the younger guy. He played Elton John in the Elton John biopic. Outstanding, outstanding actor. Um, John Carlo Esposito, uh, Grand Moff Gideon from Mandalorian, is sort yep. of lobbying to play Professor X. Let's do that, man. Okay. Um, uh, a lot of people also want Giancarlo to play uh, Doctor Doom. Let's fucking do that, man. Absolutely, whatever. I don't care what he does. Let's get let's get him in the show. <laughs> um, um, so yeah, to your point, we're gonna get all that and some of this stuff. Uh, we've talked about, I think, on the pod um, with the multiverse and all that stuff. Um, if there is gonna be a reboot in the MCU, uh, this is where it happens. Um, as far as um, how this is going to work and if, are we going to recast? Are we going to reboot? What's going to happen? Is there going to be some timeline, uh, stuff? It's going to happen here. Uh, mm-hmm. so there's a lot to look forward to. Um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to go, even though it's three years away, it's going to go by really quick. I did see amongst folks in my age bracket, uh, some agitation and dissatisfaction with having to wait. Um, you do have to acknowledge that we're not getting any younger, but 
um, this is fun. This is all this, you know, I'm looking. But also these things take time to make. I mean, you can't just will it into existence. They, like, they take time and into our point earlier about them taking their time. I want them to take their time to do this right. Yeah. I, I would much rather them be very judicious with all this um, rather than rush into it. The biggest problem with the Fox movies, Fantastic Four and X-Men and other stuff, and then the DC movies, is that we're, the, the Snyderverse in particular, is that we're rushing. And one thing that the MCU can't be accused of, despite its massive size and it feels like you're being overwhelmed by it on a daily basis one thing you can't accuse it of is rushing anything and they're they're taking their time they're being very smart about it and kevin feige is like a lot of us he's a huge fan of this stuff and so he brings that to it and he brings that sort of care and appreciation he cares very deeply about the x-men he got his start in movies with the fox x-men movies and he's right. a huge X-Men fan. Hugh Jackman has talked about being in Kevin Feige's office. In Kevin Feige's office, his wall is just X-Men comics. Um, okay. So th- this is so, the crown real, jewel. Um, and so they're going to take their time. Yeah. yeah. Real quickly, just to kind of uh, go off on that a little, a little bit, a little tangent. Um, I pre-ordered uh, Mafex Spider-Gwen, Mafex Gambit, Mafex... Thor uh, from Endgame, um, also Mafex, Doctor Strange from Infinity War, uh, Wonder Woman from 1984, and Captain Marvel from Endgame. So I've pre-ordered all of those, right? Yeah. All of them got severely delayed. Like, we're talking a year delay from their expected date. But I will wholeheartedly acknowledge, because at this point, Recently, I've gotten Doctor Strange. Last month, I got Thor. And then a while ago, I got Spider-Gwen and before that, uh, Gambit. All of them have surpassed my expectations. Those are amazing figures. And to the point where even though I'm still waiting on uh, the last two figures, it's frustrating to have them pre-ordered and then just kind of stuck in limbo waiting. But since I've gotten four of these figures already and they're extremely good, uh, Mafex has this track record of maybe they're delayed, but it's so worth the wait. And because of that, I can be patient, right? Like I'm totally fine. Now I can relax about the other two pre-orders because they'll get here eventually. And when they do, they'll be amazing. Exactly, and it's there's, you know, you're you're keyed up and you want this, you want it now, 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 now. But, um, it's, I would rather it be good, and I know it, I know it'll be good, and, um, the Fantastic Four I think are going to be fine, and the X Men is is going to be fine. It's going X Men's going to be great, and. Um, you know, am I, am I, uh, a little bit impatient? Sure. I, you know, I don't know if I want to be 60 years old and, um, you know, um, sort of still waiting for this X-Men story or that X-Men character, but that's just, that's just how it is. Right. And I'd rather have, uh, these things be very, very good and rewarding and, 
um, then and that's just it, right? Then yes. it'd be a DC fan it, right now. Yeah, like that anticipation, that wait makes it better. I mean, how how much were people waiting for Endgame? And then when it came out, I mean, you still remember when you were in the theater for that movie. It's remarkable. It is truly remarkable that all of this work, not, you know, it's not perfect, but it's truly remarkable the extent to which all of this has worked. I mean, these just continuously things that I personally like, you know, Moon Knight, I was like, I never liked Moon Knight in the comics. Um, Moon Knight was fantastic. And then you think about these big epic things, whether it's Infinity War in game or No Way Home, um, where these these big things that shouldn't work that are working and they're now creating, you know, this sort of, you know, um, layers and sort of... uh, narrative cinematic narrative which are completely unheralded in movie history and then you have speaking about fan experience you just this sort of you know um this fan experience and this engagement and this sort of paratextual relationship that we have with all of this which you've never had and it's it's truly remarkable and there's a lot of uh there's a lot of doom scroll articles lately that are trying to um burst the bubble on the MCU and think, well, they got to talk about something, I guess. Um, and it's, we're a long, long, long way from, uh, you know, any sort of, uh, MCU crisis, I guess. I don't even know what that would be (laughs) at this point. I I really don't. It, It, you mentioned earlier about, you know, the, all this, the stuff. And I mean, the, the MCU alone, uh, is their output on a yearly basis in movies and shows is equaling roughly its own studio, like it, mm-hmm. its slate is is equal to or greater than some of the the major Marvel studios. It's its own industry. It's its own thing in culture. It has. It's this last night proved if there was any doubts, if there's any weird sort of like oh my god, you know it's over. Uh, that was that I've seen in recent weeks because Thor has only made $600 million at the box office so far. Um, it, it's last night proved that that's not the case. And yeah, people are still excited for it. People are very excited for it. And, and it's just one thing after the other. And, you know, is there going to be a point at which you have, you know, there, is there too much of a good thing? Yeah, for sure. Cause that, that's inevitable. Um, but we're not there yet. And, um, we're unlikely to get to a point at which this becomes um, untenable. Um, but the the biggest thing, that, that stuff is sort of whatever to me. I mentioned earlier, I don't really care about the business side of it. What's exciting me, just as a fan, is that the, this is all happening and it's enjoyable and it's good and it's rewarding and, and you have something to look forward to and get into and if you're you know a comic book nerd like me to chew on and if you're you know like like i love all this with kang this is so exciting there's so many different strings that they're gonna pull i think he's a great villain i think jonathan majors is a great actor i i think that the way that they're gonna do this prevents presents so many opportunities in the movies and shows to do really interesting things 
um, to take chances and um, and maybe as we sort of transition to Panther, um, they're taking a big they're taking a big chance with Black Panther that I think um, there's still a lot of questions about, but I think the trailer sort of um, I think the trailer is a remarkable bit of um, marketing. Um, I was stunned at well before we get into that maybe is there any is there anything else you you wanted to mention about the other mcu stuff no because i am super overwhelmed by it i have no idea where it's gonna go um i guess the one question to ask you that that i've been kind of mulling about and kind of thinking is uh it's kind of a two-parter as a Marvel fan, but who has kind of missed some of these stories or maybe forgotten some of them or all that, would you recommend revisiting the comics prior to these stories to kind of get familiar on them? And if so, where do you start? What should what should I or our audience pick up and and run with? to kind of get started well depending on what you're most interested in like Kang well I'll, I'll say this for everybody if they're curious uh, go back and reread the 2015 Secret Wars you can that's all in trade um, it's one it's just a great story it's by Jonathan Hickman um, it has a great it's a great just story involving it, it involves the entire multiverse but at its heart it's this great character study of reed richards and dr doom it's it's beautiful it ends beautifully um kang there's a lot of kang um the kang dynasty avengers movie takes its title from the kang dynasty comic book uh that definitely worth reading um, the Council of Cross-Time Kangs from 1980s Avengers comics um, and Avengers Forever War uh, 1998 Kurt Busiek and George Perez read that um, She-Hulk you've been reading She-Hulk um, we didn't really talk about She-Hulk I just want to say real quick about She-Hulk uh her sort of fourth wall breaking meta commentary that is she's famous for in the comics apparently is going to be a feature in the show yay yeah i, I caught that in the trailer like that one yeah. moment i, I want like, okay i want to say real quick too uh there's so much here um about she hulk um i continue to see griping about the cgi i i i, I agree it does not look very strong yet i will say that um they absolutely knocked it out of the park here with Tatiana Maslany uh, as Jennifer. Uh, she she's, seems fantastic. Um, mm. And people, I think, are going to be very happy with the show. We did one thing we did not talk about in Phase 5 is Thunderbolts. Um, Thunderbolts is going to pay off a ton of stuff which is happening in the MCU right now. Uh, John Walker, the Contessa... Uh, She-Hulk and Abomination. A lot going on. A lot going on. Um, mm -hmm. 
And um, Thunderbolts is a comic book. Again, Kurt Busiek, uh, 1990s, well worth reading. Uh, contains one of the best twists in the comic book history at the end of Thunderbolts number one. Um, hard to believe that that was 30 years ago. Um, Daredevil. We talked about Daredevil. I would read all of Frank Miller Daredevil, Born Again, um, The Electra Saga. Um, one thing I do, I'm, I'm a big X-Men person, um, but uh, anytime I come across the Frank Miller, David Mazzucchelli, Klaus Jansen, Daredevils in the box, I buy them. They're gorgeous. And I love that whole run. Um, and... Secret Invasion, we didn't talk about that, but that comic book storyline, probably worth revisiting. That's I'm, phase five, right? Yeah, I'm most curious about what they're going to do with Jessica Drew. Uh, Jessica Drew is Spider-Woman. I found something out uh, this past week, which I um, I don't know is generally known. Um, Sony owns the rights to Spider-Woman, the movie rights to Spider-Woman. But by virtue of her association with the Avengers, Marvel owns, MCU owns Jessica Drew. <laughs> so, okay. so I think we're going to get Jessica Drew in the MCU. And I think Amelia Clark is playing her in Secret Invasion. Um, so Amelia I'm, Clark? Yeah. Uh, Amelia Clark is uh, in, uh, she was uh, Daenerys in Game of Thrones. Um, okay. She is uh, in Secret Invasion, and I think she's Jessica Drew, and I think that is super interesting. Um, we'll see. TBD on that. Um, boy, there's so much. I um, There's so much as far as comic books. I'm trying to think. I'm looking at everything. So we talked about Secret Wars. We talked about Kang. Um, if you haven't already, Sugu, um, we haven't talked about Ironheart. We will hear as we talk about Panther. Um, the Ironheart comics with Riri Williams. Um, is this like 2014, 15, 16, somewhere in there? Those are worth reading. Um, I think I read the first issue. Okay. I think it was a free comic day. Okay. Yeah. I read that one. Um, I definitely am curious. People are going to be curious about her, and those are good comics to revisit especially right now, because um, Riri Williams was in the Black Panther trailer. Um, so she's going to be a big character moving forward in the MCU. She's getting her own show, streaming show, and then she is debuting officially in Panther. Um, Black Panther. <laughs> Wakanda forever. Um, Wakanda forever. I thought... The, the the I thought the teaser would just be a tease. I thought it would just be sort of a brief, you know, a couple shots maybe. Excitement, Get, hype type yeah. thing. But it actually felt like a trailer more than a teaser. It felt like a trailer. It felt like a... Um, it does a lot of things very well. Just as a pure movie trailer, it's fantastic. Um... And then it shockingly um, reveals big chunks of the story. Um, I, shocking to me. I did not think that they would get into the story. Um, the story, so I don't know where to start. Where do we I start? Hear um, 
Spoiler maybe I'll just start high level so you and we'll make, we'll sure. just kind of go because like we could do an entire episode. We've been going a while, so um, macro. Um, something awful happens in this movie um, that has to do with a bunch of people who are underwater. Um, those people are the Atlanteans from yep. a, uh, that that. Uh, their leader is uh, Namor, Namor the Submariner. Um, Who has come to the surface. Come to the surface. I I just want to say about Namor, I'm fascinated by this visual direction they've gone in. They appear to have based the Atlantean uh, sort of culture very heavily on sort of Mayan sort of... Um, um, there's actually like a Mayan sort of like that temple that... Um, uh okoye is not okoye is it okoye no um oh for crying out loud sugu i'm exhausted um <laughs> at the the very first shot in the trailer is um uh lapita niango's character what is her name <laughs> oh my god uh nakita okay uh, nakia nakia for crying out loud is standing on a beach and in the background is this sort of very mayan temple yeah and um and then all of the um architecture and costuming for namor and the atlanteans is very heavily inspired by uh, mayan um i think that's very interesting um they're going right from the comics uh the atlanteans are all blue skinned folks maybe backing up here um we talked about miss marvel um uh, Aisha takes the bangle off of a blue-skinned person in that temple in the flashback. Yep. We all kind of assumed that that was a Kree person because the Kree aliens are blue. Are blue-skinned, yeah. But maybe it's an Atlantean. <laughs> it's an Atlantean person. Um, all the gold that Namor is wearing and that they're wearing, very similar to the bangle. Mm, okay. um, ten rings bangle possibly question mark uh atlantean we'll come back to that um there are very intriguing shots with so i'll just uh, i don't even know where to come into it other than um i'll just say high level um namor and the atlanteans are the villains um they unleash a tidal wave as they do in the comic books a tidal wave against Wakanda, which is beyond devastating. And this trailer appears to suggest that that tidal wave uh, kills T'Challa in yeah. the MCU. And I am, um, I'm stunned by this. What, so I've been, I've been rambling, Sugu. What, what are you, what are you thinking about this trailer? Uh, yeah, that was one of my big takeaways is that it looks like they are, weaving the real life event uh or the real life incident of chadwick boseman dying they're not trying to wave it away or anything like that they're actually dealing with it in the movie um so they're intertwining chadwick boseman and t'challa uh just together which i think is a really good and smart way to do that um, considering the impact that Black Panther had, considering the impact Chadwick Boseman has had, even outside the MCU, um, 
I think it's really smart to kind of uh, uh, tie the two together so that, you know, the audience has that kind of moment to grieve both at the same time instead of recasting. I, I think it's a very bold creative choice that presents lots of risks right now on Twitter recast T'Challa is trending and the I, I've seen a lot of reactions since last night about disappointment with this and a, a desire just to recast T'Challa um, I think the decision to kill him in continuity is going to present a, a people are going to be disappointed no matter what because it's going to happen one or two ways it will happen on screen which will be very very tough to watch and also yeah. presents practical challenges because we don't have chadwick or it's going to happen off screen and people are going to be furious um it clearly happens in the movie the tidal wave is a big the shots go by fast but if you've watched it 20 times as i have since last <laughs> night um the tidal wave uh makes its way all the way into the throne room um in uh in wakanda angela bassett um i have i not given everything i would get her she says that she's lost her entire family she's lost t'challa she's the queen of wakanda not just in name but in practical reality now her, her son has died um she then is going to lead an absolute reprisal against the atlanteans uh in namor and then real quick as i'm thinking about it there is a super tantalizing shot of Mbaku and Namor fighting which oh my god I cannot yeah. fucking wait for that um the I saw that too I was like <laughs> Jesus Christ I'm so glad uh Winslow uh, yeah what is his name Eddie Winslow oh my god I'll find it um yeah. anyway I, I was super glad to see him there I'm like yeah all right because uh, I, I loved Mbaku in Black Panther the movie uh, Winston not Duke. a fan of the comic character Mbaku, mm-hmm. but loved him in that movie. Comic book uh, Mbaku has some challenges, but Winston Duke. Winston Duke, that's it. Fantastic. He's outstanding in the first movie. He's going to play a major role in this movie, um, especially given the circumstances. And then he is taking the fight right to Namor. And I'll just say... This actor, I don't know anything about playing Namor. Uh, uh, I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Tenoch Huerta? Huerta, yeah. Um, man, he's got it. He's got it for sure. Just what we've seen so far with Namor. And there's a shot also where the Wakandans strafe the beach, the Atlantis beach, and the Atlanteans run for their lives, and Namor's like, not really. Um, the, the oh, Wow. I mean, there's like, I'm just watching it again right now. Um, there's stunning shots. Ryan Coogler, extraordinary director. He has a new cinematographer, and I apologize because her name escapes me. And I'm not finding it right now, uh, but this is her first MCU movie, and she is clearly amazing. And um, this movie, I just want. There's so many things. I, I, there's so many things to grab on to talk to, to react about. 
on an MCU level, on a comic book nerd level, on just a human level with Luz and Chadwick. This movie, just what I'm gathering from the plot, it is tragic for that we lost Chadwick for infinite reasons. This movie is going to end up, the storyline here that it presents with the Atlanteans is like Rathacon, Empire Strikes Back level, dude. And mm. it is criminal that we don't have Chadwick for this. Um, but it's clear they've also made a creative choice to confront it headlong in the narrative. Um, and, um, and that presents enormous risks and that will dissatisfy people no matter what on some level, uh, just because the circumstances are so awful. But, and so people will be upset and, um, (laughs) what can you say? I will say maybe the, the trailer ends with a very intriguing shot. Uh, I've never seen in my life as much, uh, speculation about someone's ass. Um, wondering who this person is at the end of the trailer. Um, this, uh, there are a lot of reasons to speculate. This is Shuri at the end of the trailer in the Black Panther costume. Uh, yeah. pe- people are, are confused because she's wearing gold. She is wearing elements of Killmonger's costume. Yeah, that's what I thought, that it was um, Killmonger's old costume. Yeah. Well, not old, but the one that he still took. I will say, one thing I did see last night in talking with folks, that um, Killmonger, um, a lot of people are like, who's going to be Black Panther? Sure, he will be Black Panther in this movie. Will she be beyond it? We don't know. But I've been... I've, I've mentioned in the past that I, I you know what do you, what can you do if you're not going to recast him I mean you had Michael B Jordan as Killmonger but he died uh, in the first movie um, his last request was to be buried in the ocean yep um, great theory speculation I saw last night is that um, if they if they buried him in the ocean, which of course they did, um, is there some way that the Atlanteans then came into possession of Killmonger's body and comic book hand wavy stuff? Maybe um, I think it's interesting. Or maybe the the Atlanteans were tired of being a burial site for humans <laughs> and spit them back up and set the tidal wave to right they they were so angry kind of like what uh, orm orm did in aquaman it's like right we're sending all your trash back here right. yeah maybe um, so i think that's interesting and I, I think that is in a in a situation which presents no good options it's an interesting one um several mm-hmm. staggering shots all the stuff with the, the Atlanteans is very remarkable the the cinematography in wakanda is remarkable there are several staggering shots there's a shot of shuri in the throne room which is on is both flooded and on fire um there's an underwater birth which is fascinating shuri appears to be taking part in a wedding um there's there's just a lot of stuff there's a lot of for comic book nerds there's a lot of characters uh atuma 
is an Atlantean guy, villain of Namor, who is in this uh, movie. He's in the trailer. Uh, there's a shot of Namor as a boy, um, and then um, and then as a man. Um, that is very intriguing. Uh, this, so this enmity between Wakanda and Atlantis, I'm going to say, goes back generations. Um, sure. And I'll say really quick, um, just as a comic book nerd, we talked about Doctor Doom earlier. Uh, this movie will not end with Namor as the villain. Uh, the war between Wakanda and uh, and Atlantis is going to be engineered by someone else, and that person will be Doctor Doom. I, you know, to that, I just want to take this uh, slight opportunity mm-hmm. to talk about one of the things that has always confused me for a long time, and that's probably because I went, I read Marvel comics and kind of the wrong order so to speak <laughs> remember our previous conversation about marvel trading cards yeah yeah i had that set right namor was in there as a superhero yeah so then when i saw when i read him in uh fantastic four i'm like hey wait so when does he become the hero he's like the villain the whole time and now here he's the villain I'm like but the marvel trading card told me he's a hero <laughs> the marvel trading card said <laughs> Namor is classically, yeah, he walks that line between hero and villain. He's been both. He's done awful, awful, awful things in the books. He's been a huge hero. He is. Um, this this story, this movie appears to be leaning a little bit on different comic book storylines, including Doom War, which is the war between Wakanda and um, Latveria, and then also. Uh, Avengers versus X-Men in which uh, they Atlantis unleashes the tidal wave against Wakanda to devastating effect and uh, appears to be sort of combining those um, I don't think you can introduce Namor in a movie in which he he kills or or is connected to the murder of T'Challa and expect Namor to survive that movie um, I don't think fans mm-hmm. just the prospect of that Namor is an all-time iconic. He's literally the first Marvel Comics character. He appeared in right. Marvel Comics number one in 1939. Uh, that is so pejorative that um, I don't think you can get away with that. If you know, we we're just talking about IP and branding a minute ago. Doctor Doom is going to be, as he often is in the comics, the uh, the instigator between this conflict between. Wakanda and uh, Atlantis, and that makes enormous sense to introduce Doctor Doom. Doctor Doom is someone who has historical also antagonism with Wakanda, uh, and this is by leading these two uh, nations, empires into war, he diminishes both and he comes out on top. So um, I think this movie ends with Doom joining the MCU and being revealed as the ultimate villain. And Namor then gets positioned as a sort of as what he classically is in the comics, which is sort of the anti-hero. Um, mm-hmm. But is he the anti-hero? He's he's just sort of every everything, right? Depends on what day it is, right? So, <laughs> but I I I think this trailer is amazing. I think there's so much to unpack there. I think this is going to be a heavy movie. This is a movie which is going to challenge. The audience because it's going to deal directly and textually with the death of T'Challa and Chadwick and this grief that we yeah. we all have and then that the characters are going to have it's going to be 
it's going to be a ride because it looks like just a great movie and then it's going to be an adventure movie in which this war unfolds between Atlantis and just as a pure nerd I am I'm ready for it I want to see M'Baku and Namor I want to see uh Okoye uh and all, I want to see all those fights I want to see those but it's going to be truly Lord of the Rings style epic stuff i want to see that and i want to see how they resolve uh the black panther whether it is shuri who just becomes pan as she does in the comics and then she ultimately you know uh t'challa comes back in the comics but how they solve that and um what the direction is going out of the movie so yeah i'm i'm not sure i really don't know i i don't know where what to take of it i also don't know if i want to uh research it and learn more on my own so that i know what to expect for this particular movie or if i'm gonna try and make it as much of a surprise as possible for me and just kind of let it you know just kind of let it lay but yeah, I'm I'm still not sure about myself and how I'm going to approach this this particular movie. Yeah, I, I think I'm just going to try to enjoy it like the other ones and just sort of appreciate it as it, you know it it is what it is the movie and uh, I personally myself if I was uh, writing and directing the movie if I was making the movie I would personally recast T'Challa. Um, I I think mm-hmm. the character himself in Black Panther is an icon. And, and like Superman and Batman and Spidey, um, this is a character which is going to live forever and we'll have multiple men and women play Black Panther and that's good. That's a good thing. Um, they've made a creative decision though as a creative person that I'm fascinated by to see how this yeah. plays out. I, I have all the confidence in the world in Ryan Coogler and Ryan Coogler clearly would have been justified in saying this can't happen this isn't going to work but he had an idea i think the trailer sort of gives you an idea of what that idea is um and he's going to go for it i want to see it i want to see what happens i want to see how it plays out i mean that's the thing like i am very much into stories that take risks stories that are that are bold um that try to do something that maybe we would have thought is inappropriate two years ago or that we would have thought like uh you know we we wouldn't have known how to handle it i am here to see how this new wave of creators are taking on these things and and you know uh, for example star wars the last jedi a lot of people don't like it i really liked what it wanted to do and i wanted to see it go further my issue with the last jedi is that in the end it played it safe in the end it started with this really bold idea with this big risk and in the end it backed away from its own risk um i don't see this movie doing that i see this movie going full on uh all in you know texas hold'em uh yeah texas hold'em five card draw whatever all in with the with the risks and i'm hopeful that it'll pay off being an incredibly risky movie 
That's really interesting you bring up Last Jedi, because Last Jedi has almost exactly the same circumstances. Um, Carrie died uh, after production on Last Jedi, and um, they made a creative decision to, to, to not to address that in the movie, which in the moment, of course, makes all the sense in the world. And then you cut to two years later in Rise of Skywalker in the what happens with her in that movie. And I just want to say, I'd, uh, nothing against JJ or, or any of that stuff in Rise of Skywalker. I just would have done it differently. But yeah. the what Carrie's passing, Ryan Johnson had an opportunity in post-production to deal with Leia's death in Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. The story, unfortunately, gave him an out because he did he did this thing where she's injured in the movie and then she's sort of out of the movie for a minute and then she comes back. Um, but, um, I think they creatively took the, the safe way out and maybe the, the best way for the fans. You don't, you know, you don't want to watch. And I didn't like that. I don't like rise of Skywalker for a lot of reasons. One reason I don't like it is the way that they handled Leia's death. I, I, I disagree fundamentally with the idea of her dying because Leia is the ultimate survivor and she is going to, you know, it doesn't make sense for her to die, but creatively if you were going to do it doing it in the last jedi would have would have uh, was a, a, a instead of luke who dies in the last jedi w- there are things you could have done ryan krugler appears appears we'll find out in november to have um found a way a a, a creative path a, 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 that was not is not obvious to us um, he meant, I read an interview with him, it's probably a year ago now, when they started production, when he said, like, his first instinct was, it, it was over, right? There's no movie without Chadwick. Yeah. And clearly, Chadwick, T'Challa, the, the movie was the same. Namor, Atlantis are the villains, but you, but Chadwick doesn't die, T'Challa doesn't die, he's, he's the hero. Ryan Coogler then said he, he woke up one day and he, had the, he, under, he, he realized what they could do. And that that is to address T'Challa's death within the movie, and then um, I think the movie, the trailer hints at what where it's going, which is the um, you've lost T'Challa, you've lost Chadwick, but you're gaining, I think, something else, and we'll, we'll see what that is. I, I'm so I'm I'm fascinated by it. I'm curious about it. I, I it'll be divisive because some people will just be upset because they're going no matter yeah. what, no matter what, even if they recast T'Challa, people would be upset about that. Because it's just the whole thing yeah. sucks. It sucks. But the but I I, I applaud them the MCU and, and Ryan Coogler for taking a chance and doing something different mm-hmm. and trying to absolutely trying to make something out of this horrible situation and and we'll see we'll see what happens and um I I think it's. Black Panther is such an incredible character. He's been an icon for 60 years now, and he's clearly now a cultural icon. And I think this movie is going to go a long way towards um, sort of cementing that, and and you know, and sort of um, doing. It's just it's just doing all these things. I just I I I I was I was really struck by the trailer. I, I just thought maybe to, to sum up, I, I, I was not expecting that. I was expecting, like I said, just a tease. and A teaser. 
Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I was struck by how moving it was. It, it features a great rendition of uh, No Woman, No Cry, which is used to extraordinary effect. And then um, the, the focus on the women of Wakanda uh uh, in every uh, Angela Bassett, who I just I've I've had a crush on for thirty years, is just extraordinary in a in a fucking trailer. She gives this impassioned moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her to death, and so I'm glad that she's gonna. If nothing else, she's gonna have a bigger role in this movie. But, um, yeah, I don't know. There's so much more to say. I don't know what else to say. Uh. Other than I'm really looking forward to the movie and and seeing and seeing how this all plays out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I've got an entire shelf of just Black Panther characters. Or actually, I used to. I've had to because I've lost a lot of other space. I've had to uh, put other characters up there, but it's pretty much the entire Black Panther. Uh, every figure there, right? So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh I, I think they're all great characters and I I I um my uh it's great to see Namor because my uncle John was uh he was a young guy collecting comic books from the very beginning. Fantastic Four, he's a huge Namor fan. Mm-hmm. And uh so it's great to it's great to finally see him. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't know. I like his design. It looks good. Not quite the thirst trap namer, uh, like the figure that I have, but still looks really good. It's a really good design. I, I like it much more. There's some thirst trap. Uh, I'm not t- saying that it right. isn't. I'm saying that it's not the the my thirst trap namer that yeah. that I have on my shelf. He's just uh, fine. There's some thirst. Um, yeah, the the costume is very. It, it's it's the it's the very similar to the comics, but very like I said, Mayan uh, to the point where he has. I think he has like sort of. I don't know what you call it, but sort of the through the nose, um, mm-hmm. Namor, and um, I I thought all of the Atlantean stuff is the designs, and and I got to see last night. Atuma is hard to see in the trailer. But I got to see um, uh, there are some uh, uh, merchandise stuff floating around for Panther, and Atuma looks amazing. Uh, there is a the um, the the woman, the Atlantean woman with the glorious headdress, whose name escapes me right now. She's a character from the comics. Um, I I I think it, it looks amazing. Um, she's wearing a super nerd thing. I know we're trying to wrap up. She's wearing uh, a breathing mask, and so um, mm-hmm. uh, one thing of comic book fans will will certainly uh, know, um, Marvel Comics fans, is that the Atlanteans cannot breathe above the surface, so they do have to wear uh, sort of apparatus and things like that. Namor can because Namor's father is human, and that's why he's not blue. <laughs> Although in right. real life, he would be sort of sort of turquoise right <laughs> he would not be uh he would not be uh but anyway we don't care we just we just we care that um that it's all coming to the screen so very exciting yeah.
That'll do it for today, folks. Thanks again for joining us. Once again, I'm Darby Harn, and you can find more information about me and my books at my website, darbyharn.com. I'm also on Twitter at Darby Harn. Sugu, how can they find out more about us in the podcast? You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach us at our email address, shelfwarmers at gmail.com. Send us feedback about the show, your thoughts, opinions, recommendations, and insights on our perspectives. We're always happy to hear from you, our audience, and we'd love to share your opinions on our next show. Again, that's shelfwarmers at gmail.com. And if email isn't your thing, we're also on Twitter. You can reach us at shelfwarmers. Give us a holler. We have new episodes every Friday. As always, remember to stay safe, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and get vaccinated when you can. Stick around to listen to a free clip of more content from us. Subscribe today and you can hear the rest of the following and more. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>